Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodities strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome to FX Moment, which is part of our FIC Focus podcast series. My name is Audrey Child Freeman. I am the Chief G10 FX Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. And today I am joined by Bloomberg Economics US Economist Stuart Paul. Today we're talking about the outlook for G10 FX and in particular for the US dollar as we start the fourth quarter and we start to think about the prospect for 2024 as well. And the bottom line is that uh, we basically hold on to the view that the US dollar will end the year on a weaker path and will turn as we start to get evidence of a weakening US economy. And you know, this is a view that we've had for quite a while. Uh, and the main challenge we, with our call, obviously, on the US economy front is timing. Um, and even though we are running out of time, we're still pretty confident that, you know, the U.S. recession scenario holds. And when that happens or when the markets move in the direction of assuming that this is where we're going, uh, I think the, the dollar negative um, narrative in the market will very quickly return. I think the market right now is almost into complacency with the view about you know, the, the strength and the resilience of the U.S. economy so far, uh, but not kind of uh, acknowledging the, the risk that we start to see the, the data turning soon. And that could happen as soon as this week uh, with the U.S. non-farm payrolls later on. And beyond beyond the, the economics, I also feel that, uh, and I'm increasingly of the view that the volatile uh, U.S. politics could also become increasingly negative for the dollar going forward. And if the headlines happen to turn at the same time, what we could see is quite a significant move lower uh, in the dollar. But as I said in my introduction, timing is, is very difficult on, on that one. But it kind of feels we're getting nearer to that, to that point. But let's go back to the U.S. economy. And we are lucky enough to have Stuart uh, with us. And given that, the, as I said, the recession scenario is the key central assumption to, to one of the key central assumptions to my weaker dollar story, the first question I have for you, Stuart, is, um, and it's a tough one, so I acknowledge, you know, you can't give us uh, any precise date, but how soon do you think that we start to see the U.S. data turning? Thank, thanks so much for having me on the podcast, Audrey. This is an interesting time to be focusing on uh, on the U.S. in particular. In a lot of ways, we are already seeing uh, some of the secondary uh, data sets starting to turn in the U.S. So if we could rewind the clock just a little bit, Q2 PCE spending growth was largely supported by housing and healthcare rather than discretionary spending on services or more interest-sensitive durable goods spending. In early Q3, we saw a big surge in spending on leisure and hospitality in sort of one last grab at discretionary spending. And a lot of that was just a matter of folks wanting to go and see sort of once in a lifetime experiences, really uh, get out there and see Taylor Swift's for, for one once in their life. And in the data that we've seen since, 
so in August, September, uh, we've really seen consumers start uh, start resuming that belt tightening that we saw a bit of in Q2. Uh, so student loan payments are also restarting. We expect that'll shave approximately 20 basis points off of Q4 GDP growth. And we are measuring from a relatively high base that was uh, supported by that leisure and hospitality early in Q3. Uh, so the consumer spending landscape in Q4 is, is already starting to weaken. Investment also uh, a bit weaker than the headline suggests. A lot of fixed investment has been driven by fiscal policy, particularly semiconductor and electrical equipment factories. The rest of the investment landscape is, is quite a bit weaker. On the labor market front, yes, it's, uh, it might be shocking to see uh, the JOLTS data that we saw earlier this week with 9.6 million job openings. The thing to keep in, keep in mind, though, is that during the same month, so that's August data, we saw 730,000 people join the labor force, approximately 730,000 people join the labor force. We saw the unemployment rate tick up because it was more difficult for, for those folks to find work, according to the household survey. We also have to sort of fade the 187,000 jobs that were added during that month because every single jobs report released this year has been revised down in subsequent months by between 10 and 50%. So in a lot of ways, the data are already starting to turn. Yeah, that's 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 a very relevant point. It kind of feels though that, you know, the market is just keeping focus on just a selection of indicators headline NFP, and that's actually been trending lower over time. Um, and the activity indices um, and and not looking into into the detail and the, the back of the story. But I suspect that, you know, as we get more evidence that this weakness is becoming more broad based, uh, I suspect that the, the narrative in the market will adjust accordingly. Um, and I also assume that one of the reasons why the market hasn't really been focusing on some of the aspects that you've just been describing is, you know, because the Fed has been still talking quite hawkish, and we can discuss that in a second, but I, I, I suspect that that's one of the reasons why the market for now is kind of thinking, okay, uh, high for long, and the US economy is can take it. Um, but, you know, if at some point the market starts to think, oh, the U.S. economy is actually weakening here a lot more and we may have to review high for long, then that's when we have the trigger to expect uh, a move lower in the U.S. dollar. So looking ahead for uh, the 2024 prospects, Stuart, what are your expectations for GDP growth and and I suspect, you know, for inflation as well, uh, even though it sounds like it feels to me that the inflation story is a bit of a, of old news now. We've kind of moved away, but maybe we shouldn't completely forget about it. But what, what are your expectations for next year for the U.S.? So as you mentioned, we uh, are expecting the U.S. to enter a mild recession around year end. Yes, uh, time is sort of running out on that clock, but with some of the data already turning, measuring against the high base in Q3, a lot of the tailwinds uh, from super healthy household balance sheets, some of those tailwinds going away, we're expecting the U.S. to start 2024 in a relatively weak position. We're expecting Q1 uh, real GDP to decline at an annualized pace of about of about half of 1%. Uh, 
with some recovery throughout the rest of 2024, uh, in part supported by a little bit more services spending, a little bit of an uptick in, uh, in private fixed investment, uh, non-residential private fixed investment in particular, uh, we're expecting to end the year to see, I, we're expecting to uh, see full year 2024 real GDP growth of just under 1%. Uh, but a lot of this is going to end up being determined by long-term rates and uh, just how much the, the Fed is willing to uh, stay tough in the fight against inflation amid softening growth. Uh, on the inflation front, there are really two or three dynamics at play. So the Fed primarily looks at core PCE inflation. And just last week, we saw an upward revision of the past two years of annual PCE data. So annual PCE uh, was revised up by about 20 to 30 basis points for each month over the past uh, two to three years. And so that means that the Fed has made relatively less, uh, a little bit, relatively less progress in its fight against inflation than it had previously thought. But over the past few months, core inflation has been running at a monthly pace that's more consistent with the, Fed tar with the Fed's target. So we are seeing some of those inflationary forces dissipating, and we're ultimately expecting to see headline uh, and core inflation finish 2024 around 3%, just a touch under 3% uh, risks on the, to, risk to headline inflation, of course, are high energy prices, rising energy prices, depends how tough, uh, again, OPEC can stay in its, uh, in its move to try to support energy prices uh, for their own benefit. And uh, when that comes to the core, yes, there's uh, some bleed through from energy prices into the core. So for example, uh, higher energy prices mean higher jet fuel prices, could mean higher ticket prices for airfares. Um, but higher energy prices also drain uh, consumers' balances, they sap demand in other more discretionary spending items, and could result in a little bit of disinflationary pressures in the core. So we're expecting uh, to finish 2024 around 3%, but we have to put some relatively wide uh, error bars around that. So I guess the next piece of the puzzle, and oh, you know, as far as the U.S. economy is concerned, and as we see a weakening in the U.S. economy, uh, and you've partly covered that, but uh, how long do you think it will take before the Fed actually moves away from the high for long policy message? Because I think that's going to be quite crucial for the market and not just for the FX market, but across the board. You know, if we see evidence of the U.S. economy flirting with recession and it sounds like, you know, this could happen quite soon. Um, and, you know, so that means that the whole narrative in the market could, sh could shift quite dramatically. And the Fed sticks to its policy message of high for long. Um, I just feel that it would bring potentially a lot of volatility in the markets. Um, so the question is, you know, if that happens and if that means substan substantial tightening in monetary condition, uh, how long would it be before the Fed actually gives in and says, okay, uh, now is the time to move on to the next phase of the cycle? And, you know, so is that a 2024 story or is that a 2025 story? Yeah, so it, it is a 2024 story. And 
look, it's a really difficult needle for the Fed to thread. Uh, Jay Powell and most of the FOMC members were adults or at least young adults when Paul Volcker was fighting inflation in the late 70s and early 80s. So they remember what it's like to pivot too early and then have to start another rate hiking cycle to really snuff out inflation. Uh, so it's really a question of uh, it's really a question of how the Fed can both maintain a credible commitment to higher for longer rates, maintain a credible commitment to its 2% average inflation target when activity starts softening. And I think that we'll probably see sort of a trickling out of relatively small signals. I think that we'll end up seeing a downward revision of growth forecasts uh, in the the FOMC dot plot in the summary of economic projections. I think that we'll see an upward revision to unemployment forecasts. Just a a little trick, if we see some uh, unemployment forecast rising uh, just about above four and a quarter percent in the next two quarters or so, that would be a little bit of a hint that the Fed implicitly assumes uh, a sufficient slowdown to typically uh, qualify as a recession. Uh, It's just a way of sort of backing out SOM's rule and sort of inferring what the FOMC is sort of implying about their outlook for growth, separate and apart from their growth forecast, which again, we expect to be revised down over time. Uh, we, uh, if we're thinking specifically about Fed speak, uh, we would expect you know, a, a sort of ramping up of just clearer discussion of the risks to the Fed's dual mandate becoming more balanced. And then there's sort of little policy tricks uh, to address concerns about liquidity. So, uh, of course, the Fed has its dual mandate, but it, it's also keeping financial stability in mind. And if we were to start seeing liquidity in the banking sector become a little bit more of a problem, doing something like lowering the rate paid on overnight reverse rate repos by just a few basis points, you know, five basis points, that would be uh, an early and small indicator of a looming pivot. So. Uh, the Fed could try to keep QT running, for example, but with money market funds becoming or remaining the primary buyer of bills so that banks' reserves aren't draining and we can continue to see more lending into the real economy. So there are a handful of these small indicators that we expect to start seeing relatively soon. So over the next several months, uh, again, starting with those, those revisions to the forecast, uh, that would be just the early tiptoeing towards a pivot. And then when it comes to more substantive policy shifts like cuts, we're expecting early in the second half of next year to start seeing those slow cuts uh, for the Fed to try to achieve a soft landing that we think will have already been uh, in, it, it will have been a lost cause. We think that the U.S. will have already entered a recession, uh, albeit a mild one. But to avoid, you know, substantive job losses, we think that toward the middle of 2022, uh, excuse me, 2024, the Fed will start cutting rates on the order of, you know, two rate cuts, three rate cuts, perhaps four uh, through the year. Great, uh, super, super interesting. Thanks, thanks very much for that, Stuart. I, I, I guess we've covered everything in terms of very short-term cyclical dynamics. Uh, inflation prospects, what we expect from the Fed, what we should be looking at. So I suppose the one more point I'd like to discuss and just ask you about in the wake of what happened this week um, is just to very briefly going back to politics as, you know, after 
yesterday's uh, House Speaker hosting the, the whole debates about uh, government shutdown seems to return probably sooner than we'd expected uh, and certainly sooner than what we expected in Europe. Uh, so what is your take on, on all this, on the impact, on what the political implication near term, but also importantly, I suppose, from a macro perspective, again, in terms of potential drag to the short term growth prospect? You know, last time we spoke, Audrey, I mentioned how uh, it seemed like we dodged a bullet in getting this short term, this short term stopgap. Uh, funding bill passed that McCarthy had shepherded through that at least by his Congress and, and the Republican conference until uh, until mid-November, I guess the 17th of November, uh, to find a, a budget agreement that at least a sufficient number of members of the conference would find agreeable and that Democrats and the Democrats in the Senate and the administration would find agreeable. And it seems like uh, the primary risk that was noted by Fitch uh, on governance, well, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a, of a bullet was dodged there. Uh, all that went out the window. All that went out the window uh, by throwing out McCarthy because uh, now, instead of spending that time negotiating a budget uh, that folks will find acceptable for the next year. Uh, a lot of that time is going to be spent on trying to negotiate a new speaker. It's not even going to be spent on inter-party fighting and, uh, and just you know, partisan backbiting. It's going to be spent on intra-party uh, quibbling over who will be the next speaker. So uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of the uh, optimism that the stopgap uh, funding bill might have offered folks about uh, dodging a drag on growth in the, in the near term uh, that optimism was just was just totally squashed. Uh, so when we think about the risks of a shutdown ahead, uh, we're going back to our calculations that uh, for each week of a, a federal government shutdown, there's a, about 20 basis points of drag on growth in Q4, uh, and and we have to think that you know, now that with that optimism gone, risks of a shutdown just before Thanksgiving are now elevated. It's worrisome. I suppose from an FX perspective, usually the, you know, the, the government, um, the debt ceiling issue and the government shutdown, which are not the same thing, of course, but they tend to be kind of ignored for by the market. Uh, and certainly, usually it's not a trigger for dollar weakness. If the US data start to turn, if the, the market uh, is highly volatile, as we've seen in the past couple of sessions, uh, suddenly, it, that could just add on to the case for uh, more of a pullback in the dollar or more of a, probably a jump in FX volatility with something which you haven't seen all year. Um, so that's probably conclude our FX podcast for, for today. Stuart, thank you very much for your insights on, on the US economy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. If you want, if you want to discuss uh, what we covered Today, please reach out to Stuart or to myself on the terminal. I hope you found the podcast interesting. And until next time, goodbye. Thank you.